0: Let's pray and let's get into uh, God's word for this morning. Father, we just thank you so much that we can, uh, even in tough times, open your word and uh, share your word with our church family and, uh, and beyond. We just pray that everyone watching today will be touched by your word and uh, be, um, go on and, and strive to, to be more like Jesus. We just pray that uh, as we open your word now that people will come and see jesus we thank you in jesus name amen so today we are going to see more about jesus in the book of john last week wes brought us a lot about who jesus is and his names and attributes in the first chapter of john some of the names Wes brought to us were jesus is the word or logos as he said creator king of kings and Lord of Lords, life, light, Son of God, and Lamb of God. A few weeks ago, two weeks ago, Tom, in his summary of John, was talking about the senses that John used in his epistle. Well, today we'll be talking a lot about the visual sense. I'm going to be talking about seeing Jesus for who he says he is. So come with me, Into the end of John chapter 1 and all of John chapter 2 and let us all come and see Jesus more a few weeks ago I was talking with a Tibetan Buddhist I was asking her a few questions I'd met a Buddhist before but a Tibetan Buddhist wow that sounds a lot more impressive or even mysterious she's not into God and Jesus they seem, in her opinion, to get all the credit for doing everything. She's, not, uh, she's into the so-called fact that we as humans can do everything by ourselves and that we are in control of our own enlightenment and don't need God or Jesus to be part of that. Amongst my many questions, I then had to ask, so what do you think about Jesus? did he even exist oh yes she said he was a pretty extraordinary person a great teacher after she said all she said about not wanting god and jesus to get the credit she still thought that jesus was an extraordinary uh, as a person i'm sure you've heard that before jesus is extraordinary but as long as he stays in the box that i assign him then everything's okay. Something that's actually quite uh, becoming quite popular in mainstream belief systems today. Anything that brings power and empowerment to self, that's what to believe. Anything that doesn't make you rely on or acknowledge God, go for it. And pick and choose the bits of different belief systems that you like and turn them into your own truth uh, to live by. That's what our Western culture is saying today, isn't it? Don't seek truth. Make up your own truth and even turn things around so that you can do your own thing and feel good about it. Well, today I want you to come and see more about Jesus. Is he just a good teacher? Is he an extraordinary man? Or is he even more than that? Is he superhuman or solo man type figure? Or can our minds even get around how extraordinary Jesus really is? Well, come and see for yourself. In the passage, we're going to see Jesus today meet his first disciples, perform his first miracle, and first clear out the temple over three divisions that are seen on the screen, as well as Superman and Solo Man. I'm not sure if you can uh, read that on the screen, but spot the difference. The answer Superman has a bit more hair than Solo Man. We're going to see that Jesus today is the Lamb of God, the Messiah, the Son of God, has control over creation, his Father is God, and he will die and rise again. That's a lot to get through in one little talk So let's get into it and let's come and see Jesus. So in our first division, you would have seen Hannah, the wife of Solomon, read John chapter 1, verses 35 to 51, and we're going to come and see Jesus. So have you ever seen something or been trying to describe it to someone and they start asking questions? You try and answer them, but you don't really have any of the answers. They ask more questions and you find yourself saying, well, just come and see for yourself. When they see the scene for themselves or see the person that they're talking about, all their questions are answered straight away. Well, in this first section, this is what happens as Jesus meets and calls his first disciples. John the Baptist had been preparing the way For the one who was greater than he was, that was to come. The day prior, he had seen Jesus and declared him the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, uh, verse 35 states he is there with two of his disciples as Jesus walks by. He says, "Look, the Lamb of God." And Mark's put something on the screen that shouldn't be on the screen yet. That's for later on, Mark. So what did John's disciples do? They followed Jesus. They knew John was not the one they were after. John knew that. John didn't crack it for them wanting to follow Jesus. He knew Jesus was the one they were looking for. The moment had arrived. They followed Jesus and wanted to know more about him. Can you picture this? These two men, Andrew and John, following Jesus at a distance maybe, whispering as he he was walking, you ask him, don't you ask him. But Jesus turned and he engaged with them. And Jesus tells them, come and see. So they go with him and spend the afternoon with Jesus. There they find out for themselves who Jesus is. They didn't rely solely on what John said. Or, others, or what others had said about him. In verse 39, they went and spent the afternoon with Jesus. They came and saw for themselves and were changed. Well, in verse 40, we see Andrew, the one who is always bringing someone to Jesus, go and get his brother Peter and tell him, we have found the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. We have found the word found would imply that they had been looking for the Messiah. Could you imagine the excitement, the disbelief, even, the confusion? Peter thinking, Are you serious? What? Now? It's been so long. The Messiah? Here in my lifetime? It can't be. Well, we know from later in the Gospels and pictured well when Peter runs to the tomb, he would have been the one that said, I need to see for myself. So Andrew brings Peter to Jesus and Peter comes and sees and meets the Messiah face to face. And Jesus looks at him and changes his name from Simon to Peter. And his life is transformed as his relationship with Jesus begins. And although we know Peter not being perfect, Peter will be used mightily by God for the start of the church. And we'll see through the Gospels, even into Acts, and even the epistles that Peter writes later, how big an influence Peter has on the early church and even today. So while Andrew brings him and others we see how God uses different people in different roles. We never hear of Andrew getting annoyed or grumbling that Peter gets a more prominent role even though Andrew found Jesus first. Again, the day after we look at Jesus going on to Galilee and he finds Philip and instructs him to follow him. So what did Philip do? Time to tell my good old mate, Nathaniel. He goes and finds Nathaniel and tells him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, the one who the prophets wrote about, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Can you hear Philip's excitement? He had met Jesus. Actually, Jesus had sought him out, but Philip had seen Jesus face to face. Again, they'd been looking and now they had found Jesus, the one who would fulfill the, the law and the Old Testament prophecies. Now, Nathaniel's response probably wasn't what Philip was hoping for. Nathaniel was saying, what? Nazareth? Okay, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. You got the wrong guy. Philip was not dissuaded, though. What does he do? What does he do? Well, he didn't have all the answers. He couldn't answer all Nathanael's questions. So in verse 46, what do we see? Philip's saying, come and see for yourself. And to Nathanael's credit, he does just that. I'm not just going to take my mate's word for it. I'm going to investigate this for myself. Jesus will say in verse 47 that Nathanael was a man of integrity. Nathanael is not causing issues For Philip, he's just wanting to find things out and investigate them for himself. And Philip takes no offence, but says, hey, mate, this is worth your checking out. Your decision to make, I can't force you to believe. So Nathaniel meets Jesus. And with this brief encounter, what does he conclude? Verse 49 tells us, Rabbi, You are the Son of God, the King of Israel. A true encounter with Jesus will change your life, as it did for Nathaniel. He went from the opinion, nothing good comes out of Nazareth, to you are the Son of God. And here the slide will come up with our key truth that we find in this first division, that Jesus is the Lamb of God, the Messiah, and the Son of God. Jesus is the Lamb of God, the Messiah, the Christ, and the Son of God. So a few questions. Are you someone who has just made up who you think Jesus is? Or have you been someone that would just listen to society's version of who Jesus is? Have you personally come and met Jesus? If you have, who do you know who needs to come and see Jesus for themselves? That invite, come and see Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Messiah, the Son of God, Come and see for yourself, and he will change your life. And like Philip, you don't need to know everything about Jesus and have theological degrees to bring others to meet Jesus. You just need to be willing to say, come and see Jesus. Find Jesus, follow Jesus, spend time with Jesus, share Jesus with others, and invite them to come and see Jesus for themselves. Well, we head into our second division where we see a wedding and Jesus' glory first revealed. And we're taken to a wedding celebration in Cana where we see Mary and Jesus and his newfound disciples invited. Now, a wedding back then was a bit different to now. Even though it costs a lot now, it would have cost a fair bit then. But the feast would go on for about a week full of festivities And it was important for the hosts, the masters of the wedding, to ensure that there was always enough food and drink or wine. Even though drunkenness was a disgrace, there always needed to be plenty of food and wine. It was a huge week of celebration. When things ran out, it was a huge embarrassment for the family. Well, here we have a problem. There's no more wine. When there was a problem, Mary knew exactly who to go to. Maybe this was a a wedding of a relative of Mary's or a close family friend that she really uh, cared about. We don't know. But she didn't want them to go through the humiliation of running out of wine. So Mary goes to Jesus and asks him. And here I picture one of our kids when they were little And obviously, they didn't know my capabilities or or lack of capabilities to fix things. But as soon as something was broken or went wrong, even if it was totally destroyed or shattered, they would say, Daddy, fix it. Without hesitation, without the thought that I couldn't even solve the issue, they would come straight to me with pieces and, and stuff there's no chance I could fix. And they would say, Daddy, fix it. Well, that, well, I can't fix everything and I couldn't fix most things that they broke. But I see Mary doing this with Jesus. And here Jesus is not being disrespectful to his mother in his reply, but showing that now he's about his father's business. His hour always refers to the time where he would be betrayed And killed as God's sacrificial lamb on the cross for sin. So Mary knows that she doesn't have the answer, but knows who does have all the answers, and tells the servants to follow Jesus' instructions. And in verse 8 of chapter 2, it says that they did, they stepped out in obedience. And Jesus uses vessels that are used to wash feet and hands to make a person entering the house ceremonially clean. They were to fill them with water and scoop some out and take it to the master of the master of ceremony to taste it. Now not only did it help avoid the embarrassment for the bridegroom but it was better than the wine that had been served already and indeed It went totally against the traditions of using the best wine first and bringing out the cheaper wine at the end. Using the clay pots that were to hold water for cleaning to hold the best wine of the banquet. Jesus had transformed water into wine by his very word. While we know Jesus loves marriage, and blesses marriage here it shows his excellence above and beyond human thoughts and methods he cared deeply about the family situation and turned humiliation into celebration and verse 11 tells us that this was the first of the signs that revealed his glory and this took me back took me back to to Wes's uh, talk last week In John chapter 1 verse 14 where it says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. John records these and other miracles in his book to draw the reader to come to the conclusion that Jesus is the son of God. And that takes us to our next key truth On the slide that jesus has the power to perform miracles because he is the son of god jesus has the power to perform miracles because he is the son of god when we have problems are we like mary and turn straight to jesus for the solution Mary didn't know what Jesus would do, but she saw the problem and she knew Jesus had the answers. And then she also knew that obeying his words would bring the desired outcome. She had complete faith in Jesus' capabilities to bring a solution to a pressing problem. And faith is expressed in action. Mary knew Jesus had the answers and the servants obediently followed Jesus' instructions with the risk of give, getting the master to drink water that they would have, had, that they have brought him and they would have been in big trouble. Could you imagine them taking water to the master and his reaction if he tasted water? But their simple obedience displayed the power of Jesus to the celebration. And it caused his disciples to believe in him also in verse 11. Not only was this water now wine, it was the best wine. The actions of Jesus totally surpassed the expectations of the master. Will we act out of faith, even if we don't fully understand in Jesus and experience his power in our community. Well, we move on to our final division, division three, the second half of chapter two, where Jesus first clears the temple. And we come to a time of Passover where Jesus would come to the temple in Jerusalem to worship God And part of of this, where people from all over would come to Jerusalem, they would bring sacrifices. Now, God always instructed his people to bring a portion back to him in proportion to blessing. It was not to be a leftover idea, an animal that was weak or dying and I can afford that, I'll, I'll, I'll kill that animal just because I can spare it. It was to be the best of the flock. And it was to help recognise their need in relying on God. Different requirements based on possessions. For some, a bull or a lamb. For others, doves. But like everything, it was not about your financial status, but your heart. God cares about your heart. For those travelling long distances, there was provision and possibility to purchase a sacrifice in Jerusalem rather than risk bringing it all the way and getting it injured on the journey. Now, it was Passover. It should have been a a real joy. The joy should have been just absolutely great as they remembered and celebrated being freed from their slavery in Egypt. But like so many things that start with good intentions, things had got out of hand a bit. And people had seen the opening to make profit from this festival. Their hearts started going for the prophets rather than worshiping God. And here, Jesus the Messiah was entering the temple. The very one the religious leaders should have been looking for in the center of worship in Jerusalem. Jesus should have been the guest of honor. Yet the religious leaders were too busy making money that they were blinded by their own selfish desires. The very person that they were waiting for and should have been wanting to worship with all their hearts became a stumbling block to them and ultimately caused their hearts to be filled with hatred and would cause them to want to kill him. Can't we be like these people, so busy making ourselves a living that we miss Jesus because we don't have time to stop and worship him so what does Jesus do he makes a whip and drives the merchants out turning over tables can you imagine him doing that today some probably couldn't imagine Jesus even doing this sometimes we see only Jesus sitting there passively with a child on his lap or a lamb next to him but here Jesus is full of righteous anger as he saw the heart of people using religion to make money rather than worship their God. Jesus desires true worshippers. He desires people to come and worship their God with their whole heart, not just lip service or religiosity. Sorry, that's a hard word. It may surprise you that Jesus got angry. But the wrath of God is a very common part of the Bible. A holy and righteous and loving God is angered by sin. And when people willfully disobey God and turn their back on God and choose sin. Romans 1 discusses this actually. How the godlessness and wickedness of people reveals God's wrath. It doesn't stop his love his grace, his mercy on the repentant person, but sin does separate us from God and is the reason Jesus had to come in the first place. It must not only anger God, but sadden his heart to see so many reject life and follow their own way and choose self and death instead. And I try, when Jesus is doing this, I try and uh, picture the reaction of people who would have known that they were doing wrong to make selfish gain and, and um, yeah, being a bit corrupt. Would they have run away after Jesus uh, cracked the whip? Would they have got aggressive and tried to fight him and have a go back at Jesus? Would they have repented of their sin and acknowledged that they'd done wrong? Well, in verse 18, we see that the religious leaders challenged, the Jews has challenged him and asked, by what authority did he have to do what he did? They didn't take it lightly. No No doubt they were angry for what he had done, the potential of lost prophets. And so they went on the attack. Did they even care about his answer? Even if he has had the authority, they weren't going to listen anyway. And we're going to see this over and over again in John. In the coming chapters, no matter what Jesus would say or do, the religious leaders were out to get him rather than repent from their sin. And Jesus talked about his father's house being the temple. That in itself should have got their attention to seek more and learn more about Jesus, calling himself the son of God. And then he answers that he has the authority Came back to the reason he came. He was going to die and rise again. And verse 22 gives us a forward glimpse a few years down the track that his disciples would remember this very event after they saw his resurrected body. And I could imagine John thinking, wow, that makes so much sense what happened a few Passovers ago in the temple with Jesus being so angry. So what about us today? Do we, what do we do when our sin is pointed out? Do we run and hide? Do we fight back? Or do we seek forgiveness and repent from our sin? Are we wholeheartedly seeking out Jesus and having a desire to follow him? Do we have a keen sense in our lives what is pleasing to Jesus and what is more pleasing to self? And will we let Jesus turn our selfishness and flesh upside down so that we can have hearts ready for true worship of God? And this takes us to our next and final key truth, that Jesus knows our hearts and wants us to have a desire to worship him wholeheartedly. Jesus knows our hearts and wants us to have a desire to worship him wholeheartedly. So let's go through a bit of a summary of what we've seen in just this snippet of John chapter or half of John chapter 1 and John chapter 2 following on from what Wes started off last week the slide Mark will put up the slide here of a bit of a summary about who Jesus uh, the names of Jesus given and some of his descriptions in chapter 1 verse 36 we see the Lamb of God in verse 41, we see Messiah. Verse 45, the one Moses and the prophets wrote about. Verse 49, the Son of God. Verse 51, the Son of Man. Verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 11, he first revealed his glory after he did his first miracle. Chapter 2, verse 16, my father's house, referring to the temple referring that he is the son of God. And in verse 21 and 22 of that same chapter, talking about destroying this temple, and three days later, raising it up, talking of his death and resurrection. And then we see down at the end, verses 24 and 25, how he knew their hearts and he knows all people. So from the start, Jesus never claimed to be a good guy, a special teacher, just a typical extraordinary man. Jesus has always declared himself as the Son of God, the Messiah, the Saviour of the world, the Lamb of God, the one who has power over all creation and is the creator himself. So no matter what people say about Jesus or how they try and fit him into their way of thinking to appease the need to recognise a holy, almighty, loving, merciful and gracious creator God who sent his son to deal with the sin issue of humans, Jesus has only ever claimed to be the son of God, the Messiah and the only saviour of the world. So the challenge is, will you accept Jesus for who he says he is and not just believe who you think he should be or who you want him to be? Believe Jesus. He has the words of eternal life and is the saviour of the world. Come and see Jesus for who he is. And when you have seen for yourself, will you show others the son of God. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you that he is your son, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We thank you for all these accounts that John wrote, the first miracle, even the account of uh, ridding the temple of, of all the, the merchants that were, were doing the, the dodgy dealings because he wanted true worship in the temple. Lord, we just pray that all of us here will come and see Jesus for ourselves. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he died on the cross for our sin. Open our hearts, Lord. Help us to have a desire to see Jesus more and more and help us to show others, those that we love, those around us in our community, help us to point them to come and see Jesus for themselves. We thank you for our time this morning.